Set for today's game, GQ Barbecue, Colorado's only championship barbecue presents Denver Game Day. Here's Matt Smith and Kyle Reese. Oh, I love these victory Sundays, man. I get used to this. Matt Smith and Kyle Reese on your Sunday morning on Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan. Thanks for tapping in. This is uh, this going to be a little different than it was last year, our Broncos pregames on Sunday mornings. At least, at least until... Or segment or two, right? Yeah, at least until November, right? Then maybe even December. Different in a good way. Hey, maybe January. Don't hold your breath. Whoa. Don't hold your breath. Whoa. Uh-oh. Well, of course... Yesterday was a heck of a day, man. A heck of a day. That was a long time coming for fans of the Colorado Buffaloes who have been mired in the muck for the better part of two decades. Look, college game day hasn't been here since 1996. It's rare, at least it has been in recent history, that Folsom Field is presented on the stage that it was yesterday. Now, coming off the upset win at TCU, it was a fever pitch all week for Coach Prime. In fact, it started on Monday with the reaction on every single national show, the A block, the B block, the C block, Kyle. They broke it down like it was Sunday Night Football or the Super Bowl. It was everywhere on everything, and everybody's talking about the buffs. And then yesterday, they go out the It's Personal Week, and they back it up against rival Nebraska, 36-14. to 14. They send the Huskers back down I-80, packing. Thanks for stimulating the local economy, y'all. Deuces. <laughs> That's 2-0, Kyle, for the 22nd-ranked Colorado Buffaloes, who, by the way, come tomorrow, are going to be a top-20 team in the country. <laughs> Didn't take long, That was an added bonus. <gasps> wow. The, the Buffs are the eight girl. That's, we've, been saying really it. we've been saying it all they summer. They are the eight girl in. Um, and Coach Prime does a really good job. Sometimes you forget about the football. You know, there's so much that goes along with it. And for them to have so much going on around that program and so many stars in and out during the week and the buildup, he, he, I mean, he knows how to sell a fight. He really does. Man. And uh, for them to be as crisp as they've been over the last two weeks, obviously they started their four, four, first four drives with punch yesterday. But for them to be as good on the football as they, football field as they've been, with all of the buildup, has been really impressive, man. If you speak and you talk, you got to back it up, right? No I doubt. Mean, if you want respect, that's how you got to do it. And that's why everyone last year was so frustrated with Russell Wilson. He came into Denver talking a lot, posting a lot, that, hitting that little tweet button quite often, and then he didn't back it up on the field. Coach Prime, man, it doesn't get more boisterous. And in, even he admitted in the press conference yesterday when he was asked because – after the game, well, this was bizarre, okay? And we're going to get into the game, but this was bizarre. So I guess during the broadcast, Gus Johnson announced that Big Noon kickoff was, in fact, not going to Penn State, Illinois next week and is going to stick around for the Rocky Mountain Showdown. And we were like, wait, what? Why? But it didn't make, yeah. it didn't make sense, right? Yeah. Well, the slate for week three isn't great. I'll just tell you. The college football slate for week three, there's no premier matchups. 
It's still early. It's still early. But you're you're sitting there scratching your head because that CU-CSU game is on ESPN next Saturday. So why would Big Noon kickoff stick around if they did? You know why? Because it is the biggest story in sports. And then during the press conference, College Game Day announces that they will be here. So as crazy as you thought this week was, next week there's the potential could be on another level, Kyle. It's it's amazing that in a post game presser, Coach Prime is talking about the economic, yeah, funny way of saying it, uh, the economic impact of him just him being here, right? And and that's part of it. It's the place to be. Everybody wants to be around him. Um, I don't know that we've had a more magnetic personality in sports. Period. When's the last time someone has been this popular, this much fun? Everybody wants to be around them. Who's the last person you could think of like this that just drew people? I, I, I know the game's not on our network, but we, we're going to be here anyway. Yeah, we we're, just, we're we just want to hang with you. Yeah. We just want to hang with I just yeah. want to be around you. I just want to suck a little bit off of this energy you guys are I, giving off here. I, I just It's so much fun here. So what was interesting is yesterday during the game, you mentioned it. First four drives with punts. Colorado's offense did not get off to the start that they got off to at TCU yesterday against Nebraska. I mixed it up, so I left the press box and went into the stairwell. Okay, I just needed to mix it up, mix up the vibe. Your fault? It, no, 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 okay. no, no. This was no. Things started to turn around when I went in that stairwell, my friend. My, I just had to just had to turn the tide. But I sat there talking to the security guard for Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt for a little while, watching the game with him. And man, you want to talk about a plum gig? Working security for those guys flying around everywhere. My man said he racks up he racks up so many airline miles. He takes a big trip at the end of every season. I was like, good for you, man. Just good for you. Anyway, it's good to know people. Yeah, good to know people. Anyway, first of all, the atmosphere was unbelievable. The big noon kickoff lot opened at 5 a.m. and fans were out there at 4 a.m. lined up. So the people who left the game hadn't slept all night. That's number one. The student section an hour before the game was completely full. It was the biggest student section I have ever seen. I've been around that program a long time now. I have never seen a student section that size. The announced crowd total yesterday was 53,000 and change. It was the largest crowd at Folsom Field in 15 years. And was it a big Nebraska crowd? No, no. It was the smallest Nebraska faction at Folsom Field that I've ever seen for a Nebraska matchup. I was really impressed because that's the telltale sign if you have something here. Is your fan base clamoring to be at the games rather than selling them, right, selling their season tickets to try and pay for the whole year? That didn't happen very much. That really didn't. There wasn't that much red. And what Colorado did yesterday was they won in different ways. Their offense got off to a really rough start, but the good news for them is Jeff Sims, Nebraska's quarterback, is, oh. It was even rough. Trash. Bro. I mean, he is not. He's not. It's what we said last week. It's what we said all week. Unless Nebraska can find a passing offense in the next five days, they're going to get run out of town. And that's He's exactly what happened. Yeah, it, it just took a little while. Uh, and, and that probably wasn't – it probably didn't match the atmosphere, right, because you're you're really wanting a hot start, right, and get that crowd into it right away. Yeah, give me an early touchdown, yeah. light this candle. And, 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 and run these boys out of here early. Um, and it just took a little bit. And, and by halftime, you felt like, okay, this thing is starting to break. It got close a little bit there in the third quarter, but – um, you, you felt like it was starting to, to, the momentum was starting to carry over. Yeah, I think they got off to a slow start because I don't think Sean Lewis had a great day. CU's offensive coordinator and their play caller. 
Well, I, I think Nebraska was juiced up a little bit too, right? I I, I don't want to discount. They played they played tough in the beginning, defensively for sure. First of all, they have a good defense. Number one, they're, as bad as their offense is, they actually have a pretty good defense there on the other side of the football. However, at a certain point, their offense was giving them zero support, so the dam is going to break eventually. That's always what happens. In fact, we've been on the flip side of that so many times here as as Buff fans and, and Colorado supporters. Here we go again, right? Right, where you're just like, come on, like the. Oh, you got to move the football. Defense is giving you a shot. You got to capitalize on one of these opportunities. And that's what happened for Nebraska yesterday. And you mentioned it late into the first half. Colorado gets on the board with a field goal. The first points of this game came with 420 left in the second quarter, by the way. Shout out Boulder. (laughs) (laughs) Colorado ends up, ends up finishing the first half up 13 to nothing. But here's why I say I think Sean Lewis had a rough day. I just didn't love their game plan. They tried to spread out Nebraska and they once again, didn't run the football. Coach Prime talked about it heading into the game that Cavassier smoked the Kentucky transfer would get a few touches today. Well, but he got one carry in the entire game, and it was in the first half for zero yards. I just don't know how you can actually evaluate a player like that. But they're not running the football in general. And one of the things that's bothered me the most, Kyle, about some of the reaction from my fellow beat reporters, and I'm going to let them know this week, is they keep telling me, well, they can't run the ball. They just can't run the ball. That's not what it's about. You got to make the defense think that you're going to do it. And by the way, Colorado has a stable of backs. They haven't committed to running the football. Coach Prime in the press conference yesterday said, we tried. We tried. I was like, did you? Like, did you actually try? Dylan Edwards had nine carries. I think Anthony Hankerson had six. Six. Okay, so there's 15. Smoke had one. 16. 16, and then Wilkerson had a couple. Yeah, Charlie Offerdahl had a couple of Late. And, yeah. Late. Yeah, so, it, so less than 20 times you ran the football. Well, and, and so it's one of those things that you have to commit to. And, again, it's easy to get away from those things when you have someone who is dynamic as Shadour Sanders spinning it for you, right? And you know that he can make a play. It's like, why are we running the ball when we know that we've got to? Can I, can I add something to that? Go ahead. And when you know who the coach is. And you know what the goal is of this entire experiment as to get that man a Heisman Trophy and to get him number one overall. Yeah. You don't do that by running the football. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you, you've got to feature the guy, and, and, and they will. Uh, and, and 42 times to spin the ball is a lot. And, and it wasn't, I think he was right around 40-something last week too, right? Might he was 50. 38 of 47 last week, and yeah. this week he was 31 of 42. So my concern with that, you're right, they do have to stay committed to this. My concern is that it's going to be late October and early November here soon, Mm. right? And you're going to have to play a game in the elements. And these things, uh, the running game, whether you believe it or not, I don't care what you say, is going to play a big factor down the end, down the stretch of the season. Buddy, it's not even that long. You've got Oregon in two weeks and USC the week after. No, if you want to compete with those legit Pac-12 squads that are going to compete for a championship, you have to have a ground game. Point blank, period. You don't have a choice. And even even Coach Prime after the game yesterday said, look, if we're down at the goal line, they had third and one from the from the one, dude. Like, it, they threw the ball twice. They went east and west twice. Or, or, excuse me, they went east and west once, and the second one was a reverse, and they got tackled behind the line of scrimmage. And it's like, what? Yeah. Just, just... Just run the ball. And you know what? You know how effective a quarterback sneak is in the NFL, at least? 92%. If that's how effective it is in the NFL, you tell me how effective it is in college football. Yeah, I, let me attest to that. 
That's a tough place to score from, for one. Um, and if you don't score, everything you do is going to get second guess. It's 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 just a place. It's just a tough place to score. I I was in that situation less than twenty four hours ago, so <laughs> I can I can tell. Um, so you so you feel for Sean Lewis? You got you got us back here. No, I I just. You know, it's hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, in, in that yeah. situation. Look, I, I just, I just didn't think Sean Lewis had as good of a day in week two as he did in week one. Right? I just felt like there were maybe some concepts that they didn't scheme properly for this one. And even Shador brought it up afterwards. Nebraska runs the three three five. It's a different defensive scheme, and he credited credited them for causing a causing some problems, <laughs> and yet still almost threw for four hundred yards and three total touchdowns. It's really tough to run against because you don't know where the backers are going to be. Right, and so. They force one-on-ones up front, and, you know, if, if you can't win at the point, right, mm-hmm. then, then you're going to allow guys to run and hit for hit free. So it's it's a uh, it's, it's a tough spot, man. But, listen, they do have to stay committed to it. And Dylan Edwards, look, he's averaging six per, mm-hmm. right? And so you just have to stay committed to it, but you find yourself. I think they were a little bit too often in third and uncomfortable situations yesterday. Well, you know why? Is because they were so bad on first down. There you go. First down was terrible. They went. Th- they were sacked three times. Three of the eight times they were sacked yesterday on first down and four penalties for twenty five yards on first down offensively. It's tough, buddy. That's that, those are drive killers. And even still, and even still, the one character trait that is hitting us over the head through the first two weeks, at least in my opinion, is how resilient this group actually is. To be a completely new and you know completely new collection of however many 87 new players that he's got here to be to be as disciplined as at least they were in week one was a surprise right week two took a step back nine penalties 80 yards up from six last week they had to overcome that they had to overcome the pressure they saw in the backfield and they continued to respond like early in the first half Shador dug them out of second and 24 like it was nothing with his feet and yeah. then with a big completion to Xavier go. Weaver. It's just, you know, I, they don't blink. And that is that is one of, as a coach, you can't ask for much more from your group, at least from a mentality perspective, in my opinion. The, most teams aren't good enough to come back from that. Most teams, that's a punt. You know, and, and you find yourself in second and two sticks, two and a half sticks, right? You Okay, how do we get half back? It's not realistic because you don't have a ton of 12-yard plays. But to find themselves in a third and manageable, remotely manageable, uh, that's the sign of a good offense. And, and they're super explosive. They they really are. And, and whether we're we're kind of nitpicking here right now, right, talking about, uh, okay, they can run the ball more, pass less. But this is an offense that can come back and dig themselves out of bad situations and just because they're so explosive. I mean, they've got five really explosive players on the field at all times. At all times. They outclassed Nebraska yesterday. They outclassed TCU the week before. This is something to me that's taken some getting used to. The fact that their <laughs> skill position talent is just so much better than what the opposition is presenting, led by Shadur. When you got a guy like that in college, you're going to be a damn good football team so long as you can keep him clean. Now, I'll tell you this. He's taken a lot of, lot of hits the first two weeks. They're going to have to find a way to alleviate some of that pressure. But that's why I say commit to the run on first down, and then you make the defense second-guess. It opens up the play action. It opens up some of your read option. It does a lot of things for you, and I felt like they didn't try yesterday. So I thought that led to some of their offensive struggles. But then they started to open it up at the end of the first half. Shador hit Tarvarish Dawson on a nice deep over route. He had all day to throw that for the first touchdown of the game. They take the 13 nothing lead heading into uh, halftime. 
And then coming out of the second half, it was like they're, they're down on the goal line again. You could have had the three. It puts you up 16. It forces Nebraska to need two touchdowns and two extra points, right? Two 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 point conversions, excuse me. Two touchdowns and two two point conversions at that stage. And they went for it on a, on fourth down with another really gimmicky play. Playing aggressive. Yeah. Playing aggressive. A little too aggressive, I thought, for that kind of a matchup. Sure. Yeah, I, I'll take a, an aggressive decision over a passive mistake any day. You know, I, I, I love I, that. I love that. And so, and, and again, you talk about Dawson. This is another anonymous donor because who is he again, right? And and they just keep coming out of the woodworks with with big contributions. Was that, what, he have four touches, right? And, and so there's still guys that we haven't talked about. Alton McCaskill, he was on the— Two weeks. Didn't, Two weeks. Didn't get it done yesterday, right? No, he didn't play. Right. But I'm saying we were talking about him contributing this week. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. That didn't happen this week. Kamasier no. Smoke had one touch, mm-hmm. right? That was supposed to be a big contributor. So we haven't seen the best of this thing yet. Oh, we're just scratching the surface. I mean that. And, and, and part of the reason I say that, defensively for Colorado— that was the unit that kept them in the game. First of all, that and Jeff Sims not being able to take a snap. DMAC on denversports.com wrote a really, <laughs> made me laugh with this piece. He said, Jeff Sims couldn't couldn't throw the ball, couldn't run the ball, and he couldn't even look at the ball. because <laughs> I think he dropped three snaps yesterday. Yeah. It was a really rough day. And, and there was no reason to. I mean, the first one just it literally bounced off of his hands. And listen. You, get, you love that for a kid like Arden Walker, who had a big personal foul last week that that impacted the game for him to come out and and recover a fumble on the first snap or first series. Uh, that that's a huge get off the map for that kid. So talk about Arkansas transfer Jordan Dominic at outside linebacker, two and a half yeah. tackles for loss yesterday. West Virginia transfer Taj Alston, one and a half sacks yesterday. Mitchell from Tennessee. You just Go ahead. you just took yeah. the, you What's just his took his name? name out of my mouth. Yeah. Juju Mitchell, there Juwan Mitchell. So this was the kid we spoke about last week, right? He played at Texas. He led Texas in tackles in 2020. Then he was at Tennessee, made a lot of plays for them. Transferred to ASU, told the grad assistant where he could go. They kicked him out. And then Prime, three weeks ago, adds this kid. I knew Juju Mitchell was going to be a good player when they added him. And the next week, the linebackers coach up there, Andre Hart, was talking to us like they just found gold. He, he was looking at us. He was like, I can't believe how fast this kid's learning the playbook. Kyle, he's been here for three weeks, and he was starting on Saturday. He played in the SEC. That ain't normal. That, that's it. Right. You played in the SEC. And, and so the offenses you see down there, you, one, they're playing faster. You play Lane Kiffin. Dude, you, you got to play fast, right? So you, you got to pick these things up. And instant impact. Made a play on the very first drive. Several. Yeah. He was in the backfield all day long. And once he gets a little bit more rhythm, he's going to be an even better player. He will start the rest of the year over Levante Bentley, the Clemson transfer. They found themselves some gold here with Juju, with Juju Mitchell. Um, and then, look, as the, as the third quarter went on, they started to impose their will a little bit when it became more clear that Nebraska had absolutely, not, absolutely nothing for them offensively, right? Absolutely nothing for them offensively. And at that stage, it was just a party. It was just kind of a rocking chair finish there at Folsom Field until, look, this is, I got a little unsettled yesterday. Shador is a hell of a player, okay? Shador Sanders is going to be a top five pick in the NFL draft in 2025, I imagine. They're even talking about him in this class being QB3, at least is what I read last night from a scout. (sighs) There are some times as a quarterback when you have to have the humility 
to swallow your pride to live another day. And there are some times when Shadur, more than even the most mobile of quarterbacks, will try and squeeze all the juice out of that orange he possibly can, making people miss in the backfield because he had so much pressure in his face. But he's also in a situation where he's looking for guys as he's got somebody grabbing him by the ankle. You know, he's he's trying to extend the play to such a degree, Kyle. You're like, hey, you are really flirting with fire here. This is going to end up burning you in a real way and costing this team. Or is that just me? Uh, I, but my problem is he doesn't know any other way. Right? And, and we watched Johnny Manziel do this for a year and a half, two years. Right? He doesn't know any other way to play football. And sometimes you have to protect players from themselves. I don't know how you do that in this situation, especially when you're loaded at receiver, right? Because mm-hmm. there's, in his mind, there's not a play that he can't make. And honestly, over the last two weeks, he made he's them all. pretty right. He made them all. You know? Yeah. Well, I asked Prime and Shadour about that. Shador said, look, if it comes down to me versus you, I know I'm better. But he also credited Coach Mo and the staff up there for all the summer conditioning and, and weightlifting that they put in in the training room, in the weight room. He was like, look, they got my low, he got my, my base they is did. much stronger. My, he goes, the weight room work from the summer helped me win that football game. That's what he said to me after the game. And then I asked Prime about it. I'm like, look, even, and even Shador admitted he was getting massaged at halftime because he took a hit from holding onto the ball too long in the first half. And so I asked Prime, I said, look, you know, what's going through your head here when he's holding the ball maybe a little bit longer than other quarterbacks would and they would surrender? And he said, you know, he was like, oh, that's Shador. You know, that's he gave me the whole, you know, this is my son, you know, husband. I know my guy. Right. And then he gave me a little bit of the real. In fact, it was some of the most critical comments that I felt like he'd made about Shador. (laughs) He said, I used to question him a lot coming up in middle school and in high school. And I'd say, well, why are you doing this? And why? Do-? And then when I watched the film, I'd understand what he's seeing. And they have developed a relationship now where Shadur knows he needs to communicate to Prime on the sideline about what he's constantly seeing on the field so those two can have an open line of communication so Prime does trust him in those situations. You use the word. It's trust, right? And sometimes you deal with your quarterbacks in a way that if they can come off and explain to you, hey, man. Okay. if When they can't, it's the problem. Right. Right. And they have that trust. Obviously, they've got a lifetime of trust built up. And, and it's a special a special connection that they have. But you want that type of connection for him to be able If even if it's a mistake, this is what I saw. This is why I did it. You got to live with those things. Grade his game yesterday. <sighs> Through four. Hold on. Hold on. Through four. 31 of 42. Threw for like 393 yards, two touchdowns, and had a rushing touchdown later. In the it's game. a B minus for me, and it's a B minus because of the seven sacks. Um, and I would imagine that they're going through those sacks, as most staffs do, and, and they say, okay, who is this sack on? Is this sack on the quarterback? Is this sack on the protection? Is this sack on the coach? Because that's got to be a part of the equation too. Is this a bad play call? Did we not prepare for this particular pressure? Those kind of things. B minus. Be minus. Dude threw for almost 400 yards, had three total touchdowns. Imagine an A game. Okay. Imagine an A Well, we saw, I think we saw it last week. Yeah. Yeah, I think we saw it last week. I'm just saying, he, he's got nine over 900 yards through the first two games. He is a legitimate Heisman contender, and so is Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter had, did we even talk about Travis? Travis Hunter 
Wasn't even storyline from this game. Three catches, 73 yards, and a huge one on third down, by the way. What a ball that was by Shador. Travis just turns around, and it's literally right in his grill. But he also played over 130 snaps again yesterday. So. Yeah, there, there, there's, um, there's some embers here. Uh-huh. And, and, and Travis Hunter playing as much as he's playing and them throwing the ball and not running it. Those two things, I feel like um, they're, they're great to fix with wins. Right. I, oh, I, I didn't think Travis playing that many snaps yesterday mattered. Nebraska wasn't throwing the ball. I think he was just out there. Like, I get your point. I, against CSU next week, when that game's over at halftime, Travis shouldn't play the second half. Right. I'm with you. Hey, listen, that's a great opportunity for a kid like Hermione McClay, right? Because you need the reps. And Big if time. you get burnt, then that's just what happened, right? That's Walk why we have a 40 football. point lead. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> Um, but I, I think these are things that over the next three weeks are need to be resolved. Xavier Weaver was a big story yesterday. Ten catches, 170 yards, and a touchdown. He was the leading receiver at South Florida. He was one of four dudes last week in Fort Worth who went over 100 yards. But this week, the only member of that club. Man. And guess what? Next week, it's going to be another dude. Yeah, for sure. And, 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 prob- and probably two other dudes. I was going to say, it's going to be a bunch of dudes next week because Shador will move the ball around. How about how about on the goal line, Coach Prime bringing in defensive lineman Shane Cokes and defensive lineman Bishop Thomas. When asked about it after the game, he goes, yeah, well, they can block better than the offensive dudes we have doing it. Colorado's tight end room is a disaster. They have two scholarship tight ends on this team. Louis Passarello blew his knee out in camp. And Caleb Foria, son of Christian Foria, right, who played at CU, played in the NFL. Kid has just not been able to stay healthy his entire collegiate career thus far, unfortunately. He's making his way back, but until then, it's just converted walk-on receivers right now. And who's the kid that they lost uh, after spring? Sedu Traore. There you go. Yeah. There you go. So well, they didn't love his blocking ability either. But but they just haven't hit, right? And, and it's really hard to bat 100. I, I, I get that, you know, but... Have, if they ain't 8 out of 10, I, <laughs> I don't know what they are. Hey, right? whoever the number one tight end in the transfer portal is will be coming to see you. That is almost a flat-out guarantee. There is a sign on that tight end room that says, Help needed. Snaps available immediately. And Tim Brewster is going to go find those kids this summer. I want to talk about what's next over the next week for the Buffs before we do get into the Broncos because it's a Sunday. <laughs> You know, I didn't think I was going to be able to transition my brain from college football to the NFL today, Kyle. I thought it was going to be a challenge coming off the Nebraska game, but it's not. I've got it all locked and loaded. But before we get there, what's next for the Buffs, and how big can this really get? It's Matt Smith and Kyle Reese on your Sunday morning on Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan. Getting you set for today's game. GQ Barbecue, Colorado's only championship barbecue presents Denver Game Day. Here's Matt Smith and Kyle Reese. Yesterday, before the game, Nebraska and head coach Matt Rule met at center field on the Buff logo. Whole team. One buff wasn't too happy about that. Quarterback Shadour Sanders went out to midfield during pregame to begin his warm-ups early because it didn't sit right with him. And he also mentioned after the game that Matt Rule had been talking all offseason. And he'd been saying some things underhanded at Coach Prime, unprompted. 
And then this week, his tone changed at the weekly Nebraska pressers. He was playing nice, and everybody noticed it because it was extremely transparent. And they noticed it inside the building up there at CU as well. Shadur said, look, you, you had all that to say all offseason, and now this week you want to you wanna change your tone? I don't respect that at all. Those were the receipts. Those were the receipts. That, uh, that Coach Bryan was talking about last weekend. Those were the receipts. Uh, so afterwards, I want to bring right. this up. So Shador gets to center field and just stands there in the middle of Nebraska's huddle with his headphones on. And he's just staring everybody down. And then he flashes the Rolex at, at one of Nebraska's players. And normally, normally, that's a little gauche, right? A little gauche. I'm not a huge I fan. I can do without it, yeah. However, for that rivalry, for that environment, flash away. You know why? Because we're leaning into all of it. Colorado is quickly becoming college football's heel, right? They're the Lakers of college football is what it feels like right now. To me, it does. It's a complete 180 in terms of personality. Uh, Flashing the rolling, gold teeth, Mm. dreads. Mm. But listen, I mean, that is the demographic of college football. (laughs) It is what it is. You know what I mean? And when you go to the South and Florida and Alabama and Texas and all those things where there's a lot of good football players, those are things that you're going to have to embrace. And listen, it is part and parcel of the player and the and the generation of kids that we have. And, again, whether we like it or not, the fleas come with the dog. And so we got to accept those things. I, again, I, I, I don't necessarily like that, mm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um but it is what it is. This is this is this is who's in Boulder, right? And guess what? They're two and zero. Well, and Coach Prime talked about a little bit of that yesterday. He was asked about the economic impact that he was having up there, and he said, "Oh no, don't you worry. We will measure the economic impact that we're having in Boulder." He goes, "But that's business. What he's, I guess, more proud of is the social impact." He said he feels like he's seeing more African Americans around town in the stands. That's his words, you know. I agree with him. I think that Boulder has needed this for a very long time. And the fact that he's here and the energy is, it's so infectious, it's impossible to ignore. So many positives to take away from it. It's really hard to be critical of something like that, right? And so, again, are you a little bit uncomfortable? Because I know a lot of people are. I I actually like this part of it that he does take the time in these post-game pressers to talk a little bit about some of the social climate because this is the second week in a row that he's done that. Um, That comes along with him. I have zero issue with it. In fact, I'm thrilled that he's doing it. How much heat did he take for leaving Jackson Jackson State? Oh, we thought you were committed to HBCUs. We thought you – buddy, he's done more for HBCUs than anybody in how long, right? I mean, he put HBCUs back on the map. I love the fact that he's doing that because Boulder needs it. Boulder's not a very diverse place. That's not a secret. And a lot of times, a lot of this stuff goes unspoken. But the more we acknowledge it, the more we educate the community and ourselves to, I think, make us more aware as a society. So I'm actually all for it. All for it. He talks about bringing people together. Because that's what it does. And that's one of the great things about football. It, It absolutely does. I mean, especially college football. Yeah. Like, there's a sense of community when you have a good college football team that you don't get with the NFL. You just it's a it's different. It's I don't know how to put it. I don't know maybe because it's more money. It's it's, it's maybe all it is. everybody's there for the money. You play on bad teams and make a lot of good money and still be happy. Maybe 
Maybe. You, you can't play on a bad college football team and have fun. Well, here's what Shador said about the interaction at midfield pregame. It was extremely personal. We go out there, warm up. You got the head coach for the other team trying to stand in the middle of the buff. Like, it's okay if, if like, a couple players do it. It's fine, you know. Like, you just enjoy the scenery. But when you got the whole team trying to disrespect it, then I'm not, you know, I'm not going for that at all. So I went in there and disrupted it. So they knew off rip. Like, nah, this, the Buffaloes mean, mean a lot to me. And personally, that's what I say in pregame. And that's when I knew it was just extreme disrespect. And that's why it was the coach. The coach said a lot of things about my pops, about the program. But now that he want to act nice, I don't. Res- I don't. I don't respect that because you hating on another man. You shouldn't do that. So it was just all respect was gone for them in their program. Now I like playing against their DC. I like playing against them, but the respect level it ain't it ain't there because you disrespected us first. And guess what? Everybody in those stands. Everybody outside that stadium, everybody in that city is going to get behind him. Are you and kidding me? The, the only part I didn't like was the roly part. But guess what? You're not going to ride with that dude? Are you kidding You're me? You're not going to ride with that dude? Are you, you kidding me? You absolutely are. Is he an all-time buff already? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just asking. I don't know if we're going to put his name on the side of the stadium yet, but he's well on his way, brother. He's well As on Coach his Prime way. said, we coming. As far as that name on the outside yeah, of that yeah, stadium. yeah. yeah. I'm just telling you, man, that that what else could you ask for? Embracing tradition, embracing the rivalry, having winning school prime, and then going out there, oh my backing God. it up, and winning the dang football game, man. It's a, new wor- it's a new world. And like I said, after the game, it came out that ESPN's College Game Day, which is their biggest college football show of the of the week, right? You've got Reese Davis, Kirk Herbstreet, Lee Corso. We've all seen the show. Pat McAfee's coming to town. Desmond Howard was at practice this week. Desmond Howard was at practice this week. And then you've got, and then during the broadcast, Fox pulls a 180. Fox says, hold on on packing the equipment trucks after the game because we're sticking around in Colorado. We're not going to Happy Valley to go watch Illinois play Penn State. We're staying here. They don't even have the game. They're staying there. Next Saturday in Boulder, I know this was crazy because it's Nebraska and Colorado. I don't know. What does the Rocky Mountain Showdown mean to you? Does it mean anything to you? Um, I I actually liked it a ton when it was competitive. Um, And I appreciated the fact that some of those CSU teams – Played the under, embraced that underdog role, and had, and, and there were a lot of really competitive games that were fun to watch around here. So I appreciate it. it. Hasn't been that recently, but you know the names that come out of that, the Bradley Van Pelts, the McDougals, you know the names that come out of it are, are, are were fun. Absolutely, for me, I, I I love that game. I do, and yes, it hasn't been competitive, and it certainly won't be on Saturday. Let's make no mistake. I fully this. There's one game all season for Colorado that they have to have style points and a win. And that's on Saturday for me. I don't care about style points the rest of the year. Fifty burger. It's a that's where it starts. Okay? Yeah, I, I I I'm with you. I, I, and I would take that one step further and say, you know, just like we talked about with McLean, get some of the those young guys in there and get them some burn. You need to. You need to because you might need them throughout the course of the season. And the next two weeks at Oregon, home to USC, you're telling me that might be a top fifteen matchup heading into Oregon. By the way, here's what I'll say about the Rocky Mountain Showdown. It's great for the state, and I actually root for CSU football. I want CSU football to be good because when CSU football is good, football in the state of Colorado is better. 
Okay, that's just true. However, however, I'm looking forward to watching Coach Prime bury these guys. <laughs> I'm sorry, Rams fans. Sorry. Hey, no, it's a tough matchup for sure. Um, and it is better when CSU is better. And and look, I was in that stadium last weekend. It's a beautiful up stadium. Up in Fort Collins. Yep, in Fort Collins at, uh, at Canvas Stadium. It's a beautiful stadium. I think the world of Jay Norville. I really do. Uh, and it's just a tough situation that they're in right now. Yeah, that's what I, I have a couple of friends inside that athletic department. I sent them a message last night. I said the last thing that Jay Norvell needed right now was college game day. <laughs> the last thing that that CSU program needs. But maybe it's great exposure. It's going to be great for the state. I can't wait for next Saturday. The only thing is it's going to be a bear of a day. You want to talk about getting up at like 4 o'clock in the morning for big noon kickoff and for game day? And then the game doesn't kick off until 8 p.m.? <laughs> At least right now, it's going to be a long one, and I can't wait for it. If you missed any of our bus talk, it will be available online at denversports.com or wherever you get your podcasts under Fan Weekends. I'd love to break down that game for another two hours with you, but unfortunately, Kyle, this year on Sundays, we're not going to have that opportunity. It's going to be a little Colorado react, and then bam, right into Broncos pregame, which is where we go next. It's Matt Smith and Kyle Reese. On your Sunday morning on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Getting you set for today's game. GQ Barbecue, Colorado's only championship barbecue presents Denver Game Day. Here's Matt Smith and Kyle Reese. Man. Oh. At long last. Like Moses emerging from the desert. Did, did he do that? I'm not. I'm not caught up on my uh, my scripture, but I think. Just stop! Stop! All right. Stop. We, we, <laughs> we made it through the NFL offseason. We made it through the NFL offseason, man. I I am. I'm overjoyed to be here today on Sunday. Of course, the NFL regular season kicked off on Thursday night with Lions and Chiefs. And an upset win for the Detroit Lions, who went into Arrowhead and beat Kansas City without Travis Kelsey in a game where, look, KC had a chance to come back, man, but Andy Reid and Matt Nagy maybe not off to the best start there without Eric Bieniemy in Kansas City. Great way to start the NFL season, I thought, though. It was a great way because you have one of the uh, the darlings of the NFL in Detroit, and, and everybody just loved Dan Campbell. Right, mm. he's kind of a meathead a little bit, but actually is a really good football coach. I think he's proven that over the last couple of years. And then, obviously, you know, you got your defending world champion Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they took the L at home, which everybody loved. Everybody, which loved everybody it. loved that part. Uh, and listen, I think that you can lose a guy like Tyreek Hill. I didn't. I, I, that was a question mark for me, and they survived that. You can't lose Hill and Kelsey and expect Patrick Mahomes to be Patrick Mahomes. Man, I just, it feels like to me an eternity since last season ended. Because to me, last season ended before it started. (laughs) There was such a rough year here in Broncos country. It was a rough year. It was a bad football year, period. Actually, you're right. It was. It wasn't a, well... I don't know. Who, 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 who. The Eagles were pretty fun to watch last year. I enjoyed watching Philly last right, year. Right, I'm just I'm talking about locally. Oh, oh, yeah. You didn't locally? have a ton of oh, cheer God. <laughs> no, I, not at all. Yeah. 
And the disappointing part about that was you thought you were going to have a lot to cheer for again. You'd gotten your hopes up again, only to have your heart broken once more as a Denver Broncos fan. And the way that Denver opens up today, it was a 225 kick here locally, Broncos and Raiders. It's rivalry week. You haven't beaten the Raiders in six straight tries. What a great start to, to the weekend. That, let me ask you, is that on its on its face more embarrassing than the 15 straight losses to the Chiefs? Um, yeah, because I think you're probably, you find Raiders fans a little bit more agitating than Chiefs fans. Mm. And you understand the situation that the Chiefs are in. They have an all-time great quarterback. He's going to go down as all, one of the best for ever. The Raiders haven't had that. And no, the Raiders haven't been a good them. team, right? Yeah, I mean, they, they've been a playoff them. team one out of all those years. Yeah, And you've been swept three straight seasons by the Raiders. 10, 15 years ago, yeah, that stinks. that's grounds for, you know, I mean, relocation in Broncos country. Fans march, you know, storm the stadium with tiki torches and carry you right on out of there. You got to catch a PJ in the middle of the night, get out of here. Look, and here we go with Sean Payton and the Payton era, right? Payton, George Payton, the whole crew, fresh off the heels of the Seth Wickersham piece, which unfortunately you and I don't have time to get into today. I would love to get your thoughts on that. Why are we doing this again? You want to, you want to, you know what? No, 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 no. You haven't had a chance to react to that this week, have you? Give me your thoughts. Give me your thoughts. I want to, before we get into it, I want your thoughts. Give me a minute or so of your thoughts here. Um, and you know, I'm going to switch very swiftly to the DMAC lane. And the DMAC lane said, I thought we wanted anonymous donors. I thought we wanted to fly under the radar, keep our head down and just go to work. And the fact that you've had two very polarizing pieces come out in the last six weeks in the public that were completely unnecessary um, flies in the face of what you told us you were going to do from the very beginning. What and I'm talking about Sean Payton. What did you learn about him? A Sean P loves him from Sean P. There you go. That's it. That's really it, man. And it was a guy who was kind of floating. But now he has purpose again here. And it's very clear. And things really, compared to last season, are off to a pretty damn good start throughout the preseason. Right now, outside of the injuries they've suffered, because they certainly are going to be without some players today who are big impact dudes, or at least were scheduled to be. Talking about Tim Patrick, I don't think Jerry Judy's going to play based upon the roster moves that they made yesterday. A couple of the call-ups off the practice squad. We'll get into those here in a minute. But then, of course, Kwan Williams. And not a lot of people are talking about the fact that the Broncos are going to be without Kwan Williams for four weeks on IR. That's Hunter Renfro is going to give Isang Bassey his money's worth today. I bet you that much. Isang Bassey, those three picks in the preseason. Let's see you carry that over, young fella. Yeah, Hunter usually plays well in the first couple weeks. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. But now it's a whole new era for Vegas. It's Jimmy G. He's going to have Josh Jacobs back because he ended up caving. That Zoom call got lonely. He logged on and Start nobody, else was, nobody else was there. <laughs> Hello? Nothing in here. <laughs> hey. Golly. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He was a little short. Yeah, he just right. needed a little walking around cash. You yeah. Know? So he signs the deal to come back to Vegas, and he has been a Broncos killer. He's had damn near 800 yards against the Broncos in seven games. He hasn't lost the Broncos his career. 7-0 against the Denver Broncos. And he'll be back in the lineup today. Also in the lineup today is going to be Max Crosby. He's been a Broncos killer as well. Crosby in his career has 11 and a half sacks against the Broncos. He had two um, games last year where he had two sacks. Yeah. No, he's a game wrecker. Yes. 
Yeah, and yeah. guess guess who woke up today in Denver, Colorado, going, oh boy, Mike McGlinchey hadn't played all preseason. Obviously, coming off of the tragic, you know, uh, family related incident to start training camp and dealing with the loss of one of his great friends, and then only playing three days or so, dealing with the sprained knee, getting rolled up, didn't play all preseason. We saw him a little bit in joint practices. He was able to Got make it back for that. There, yeah. And now, the debut for this Broncos offensive line on a football field on Sundays comes today where you spent 85 millies on McGlinchey. You gave Powers over a $50 million contract. And that unit did not perform up to par in the preseason. Those boys got to start fast today, Kyle. I'll give you one just dollars to donuts thing to look out for today. The Raiders' first defensive snap of the day, Max Crosby's going to be lined up where? Right over Mike McGlinchey. That's a guarantee. Well, and and we're going to find out a lot because the Raiders went out and and drafted Tyree Wilson as well. Uh, And so they have made an investment there. Uh, With the top five pick. There you go. And he's going to play because Chandler Jones is not going to play today. There you go. Or maybe the rest of the year. Or maybe again. I don't know exactly what's going on with Chandler Jones. uh, Hopefully this is not a coming out party for him. We have tons to get into. If you missed any of our buffs recap. Okay, we re- recap the Nebraska game on denversports.com after the show or wherever you get your podcasts under the Fan Weekends podcast. Matt Smith and Kyle Reese, the first hour, we recap Buffs and Huskers. We will also do that all week on the station, but when we come back, I want to talk about this matchup breakdown and what we're looking for out of the Denver Broncos in 2023 as we make our way up towards kickoff of the NFL regular season here in Denver, Colorado. It's Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan.